Welcome to the Onto Something Podcast. My name is Zane Witcher. Onto Something exists to help you gain your footing in a couple of important things in life. And onto something we kind of call those three things your faith, your people, and your thing that you want to contribute to the world. Now, today's episode for number 34 is going to be in the second lane in which we call their thing. Now, I want to talk about the question that you may run into as far as uh, I don't know, this small, very easy concept called love. I know that some people kind of walk around, especially wondering every person that they meet, could this be love? Could this be something with someone? And it feels like that is a massive question. Didn't anticipate we were tackling it on Valentine's week, but that's fine. But I want to talk about that instinct inside you and also want to suggest a reframing that may not make it's such an intense subject. So without further ado, let's make it happen. How do I know it's love? That seems like the most daunting question to ask your brain and expect it to be able to answer. Here's the thing. As I'm recording this episode, Valentine's Day is coming up, which I'm kind of shocked is still a big deal, mostly because I figured we would have collectively voted this holiday off of the island because it seems like it gives everyone just pressure on weeks like this. It feels like it's clockwork every single holiday I run into with Valentine's Day. Someone is thinking about the question of do I drop the L word? And I'm not talking about llama, although that was a good guess. I'm talking about the super easy, complex, or not complex, word, love. No, I'm just playing. It's super complex. I'm also thinking about my married friends who, after a couple of years of living into this lifetime-long love together, that they've started to wonder, what, what is the meaning behind it? other than just saying this as a formality of goodbye when you leave someone. I think love's kind of complicated just because there's a definition like that is hard to be able to nail down. kind of feels like you're in a cafeteria line where everyone is choosing something different. And just because you use the term love doesn't mean that I understand that you're referencing the same definition. Everyone picks and chooses. So let me give you an example of this. Let's slide our trays down the cafeteria line together to look at the different definitions that people reach for with love. When you say the word love, do you mainly think of attraction? Like, do I love them because my pit stains are the size of Minnesota because of their hotness? I know, the pit stains of Minnesota. My young adults in college absolutely love that. Longevity. Do I love them because I want to grow old with this person? Do I think that they will wrinkle well? Is it longevity? Do I love them because I want to grow old with this person? Is it opposition? Do I love them because they are so opposite of me and it challenges my day to day? Is it trajectory? Do I love them because I love the idea of the possibility of the future that we could share together? Is it security? Do I love them because they make me feel assured I won't be alone in life? I'm sure you could probably think of some as well. These are the most common ones that I think of. But the overarching question for the whole cafeteria line is which one of these is right? Or is there a right definition? Is it up to personality? Does being in love mean that I answer yes to all of these? 
Instead of responding to the cafeteria line, really what I'd like to do is reframe the question for you. I'd like to give you another way of asking it. Maybe that feels a little less daunting. It may not be as hot and sexy as some other ways of asking about love, but it's not a hot and sexy question. It's more of a long haul question. I think it may help us. So sound inviting? Exciting. Let's do it then. Okay. So let's start with where this even came from. So love has got some history behind it. Okay. Not to quote one direction, but you should be aware that the way we talk about love is pretty new compared to what we've done so far. Let me give you the Twitter version of this. Love back in the day was something you grew into more than something you found. Not to sound like your great, 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 great grandpappy, but love wasn't something you started with as a measurement for doing something lifetime with someone. Its purpose was more like pragmatic and economical. People entered into lifelong commitment because it had impact and security for your family. Writers kind of like David Zoll and others have written about how we used to work out of marriage of reason, which basically meant there was a reason that was practical that we were joining in a lifelong commitment with another person. But now we've slowly shifted that. We've moved away from what sociologists would call marriage of reason, and now we've moved to marriage of instinct which basically means the old reasons like land and peace and security and who you do offspring with aren't the first motivators that come to mind. It's marriage of instinct now. They've transformed to, am I attracted to them? And do they meet my emotional needs? Not saying that those other things aren't considered. They're just not always on the forefront of our mind. So nowadays with emotional instinct, you're looking for, is this person the Ryan Gosling or Michael B. Jordan of my life. That's right. I went there. Michael B. Jordan. By the way, if you haven't seen the Amazon commercial with uh, the Alexa that Michael B. Jordan does, you need to stop right now, press pause, go to YouTube and watch that. Okay. Don't walk, run. It's hilarious. But when people are thinking about a God-drenched life, when you want to live into the ways of God, How do you measure this definition of love? Do we work with the same standards that maybe something like The Bachelor would give us? Well, that's where I'd kind of point you to love has a history in the Bible as well. It's got several expressions that go with the word love. One word doesn't do it all, but all words do go back to the same source. If you want to see love embodied in scripture, you look to the body and life of Jesus Jesus embodies love. Love isn't about two bodies and how they feel towards each other as much as love in the life of Jesus is about the action that's embodied towards another person. It's worth noting that scripture doesn't spend a lot of time talking about love as like a feeling or a spark. It speaks about love as an action towards someone else. And that's why Jesus is the central point in Jesus's life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, are all the actions of God's love. You see it lived out. You don't just try to describe it. So let's talk about making this a more like plain definition for you that's less vague about the love of Jesus. Because I can say that and you're like, yeah, that sounds really good. But what's that actually mean? 
there was a thinker in history who tried to nail down what the love of Jesus and how it was different from any other way you could use love. His name was Aquinas, which if you've never heard him before, sounds like the sidekick to Aquaman, which I completely understand. Maybe we should write that in because it just kind of feels like Aquaman hasn't had a good shake yet. But here's what Aquinas said about the love of Jesus. To love, he says, is to both will and work for that person to be who God created them to be. To love is to both will and work for that person to be who God created them to be. Now notice, there are no words like attraction, feeling, purpose, giddy. Christians have come back to this definition over and over again, not because love is attractive, but because love takes work and will. Work and will. Those kind of seem like two words that aren't used as often next to the word love. And here's what I'd like you to consider. When we're talking about this expression of love where you do long-term life with someone and you're committed to it, I want you to think about how we don't ask the question that the rest of the world asks, which is the I do question, but instead the do I questions. When we think about love with another person, we're walking around and the world kind of teaches us to ask would I be willing to say I do to this person for the rest of my life? When in reality, the type of love that works and wills actually ask a bunch of do I questions, not I do. So you're not asking the question, would I say I do to this person as much as you're asking, do I find myself gravitating towards this person because I love who they're becoming? Do I have a passion for them to be closer to God than how they even are right now? Do I find it meaningful to give my life away in working for that person to become a fuller image of Jesus? And this is where the commitment of marriage should be so countercultural than what it actually is. It feels like everyone is considering this question in the first half of their life, which is ironic because we're always thinking of I questions in the first half of life. In your 20s and 30s, you're taught to think about things like, what do I want? And what's my next step? And what do I want life to be about? And really to enter into the question of lifetime love with someone is to actually step away from those I questions and to ask the, do I want to spend my life investing in this other person? Do I want to give away some of the opportunities I could do in the world by myself to do it with them that shapes their life in a God-centered way? What's their life about? What do they, what do they use me for in their life? How do they contribute to the life that God has given them? So as we kind of round the last corner, I want to give you a clear distinction. Love is not automatically equal to lifelong commitment together question of loving someone to the point of committing your life can't just be answered in a couple of days or a couple of interactions. It's not a gumball machine question that you enter a quarter and it spits out yes or no to loving that person for the lifetime. Love is a slow process because the words work and will are long time words. 
Love isn't the answer to one big question, but an answer to a thousand little questions. It's not something you find, it's something you grow in. And let it keep growing until you're ready to commit a lifelong journey with that person because you're willing and you're working towards that person to be fully who they are with God. One writer put beautifully that I think is the long-term question more than anything else. G.K. Chesterton said this way, The one who makes a vow makes an appointment with themselves at some distant time or place in the future. A love that keeps growing thinks about the long term of saying yes to that person and saying yes to you becoming a different person than who you would plan or anticipate because you've started doing life with someone else. And at some point, as you keep working out of that love, that working and that willing of that person becoming the image of God that you know that they are, you'll be able to know that decision for the long haul as you answer it. But let's not get caught up on the long-term question. Because honestly, we get stuck on that too much. Every date we go on, every interaction we have with another person, the question we're always thinking of is this possible with this person for long-term love. And I'm here to tell you that there's no need to rush into that question. We need to make love less daunting. Instead of asking, do I love them? I want you to ask a simple question that just helps you move forward with today. Don't be trying to ask this massive question of, do I love them? Do I love them to the point where I'd spend my life with? No, 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 no. Ask this simple question. Do I want to give more to this person today? Sure, there's some days where that answer is going to be kind of shaky, especially with a relationship that's literally built to require you to move away from your selfish needs and to give of yourself to another person. But simply just asking each day as you're sharing with a person that you're considering a long-term question with, by asking, do I want to give more energy more of my time, more of my story, more of my fears, my strengths, my support, my sweat, my walk with God. If you ask those questions and answer, do I want to give more to this person? That's the way you start answering all the small questions that help lead you to a collective answer. Because I don't know about you, but that sounds like the embodiment of love that is worthwhile. That's a wrap for episode number 34 of the On to Something podcast. And I'm here with the one that I love today, Carolina. And, uh, Care, one of the things that I love about you is that you keep me updated with the world and you tell me uh, things of relevancy that I would not know if I just had my head stuck in the ground. Uh, do you want to hit me with something that I may not know right now? Give me something cultural. I'd love to. So there are two books that came out this week. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of them. One of them is uh, from Ben Higgins, who former Bachelor. Oh, goodness. Like, shout out. <laughs> love that season. Um, but he, he came out with a book called Alone in Plain Sight. So I haven't read it, but 
I'm sure it's great and might be might be worth a listen. The second book came out the same day, both on February 2nd. The second book is by Annie F. Downs, and that one is called That Sounds Fun. Oh, which the is, goat. Yes, so good. Wait, it happened the same day? The same day. They're book twins. Oh, I did not know that. Isn't that so fun? Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty fun. Yeah, what, worth a listen. Do you want to tell people our ritual with uh, her book right now? Yeah, so we went ahead and purchased Annie's book because it's awesome and we we love all things annie um so every night zane has been reading me a chapter of the book and it's been so sweet it's been pretty fun yeah pretty fun yes that was informing thank you appreciate that yeah well we want to inform people about uh onto something yeah, so there's a couple ways that y'all can get involved with all things related to Onto Something Pod. The number one is to share all things on social media. So if you like our post, um, share our post with friends, uh, really get the name out there. If it's helpful for you, it might be helpful for somebody else that you know. So please share us on there. The second thing is to visit our website and our blog at ontosomething.com. Is that with a G? No, that's no G on that. Ontosomething.com. Got it. Yeah, so people did. couldn't see the hand motions that went with. You're that. right. You're right. I did like this a like little. Kid. <laughs> yes. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, so definitely visit the website. That's a really great way to just stay in the know of all the things that are happening with the podcast and blog. And then the last thing is to review and rate the podcast. That's really the best way for other people to find this podcast, especially those that are not already in your inner circles, but all over the the podcast world. Um, it'll help find us easier. Yep, very true. All right, so we want to say the last line, then we'll say the final word together. That sounds great. We messed this up last time, so let's give it a shot. <laughs> okay, ready? So thanks for listening. Until next week, may you remember you're, you're onto on to something. something. Oh, we'll work on that. Right, it's a little rough. See you next week. Bye, friends.